Flapping fins. Filthy devils, Brett said. I hate sharks. Rogerson grunted. I never knew anyone who liked them. The gap narrowed rapidly. Soon they could see the faded paint, the crusted salt, a water breaker, the loops of the lifeline fastened just below the gunwale of the boat, two ends hanging loose where it had been broken. Watkins was still peering through his binoculars. He said, controlling his excitement with difficulty in front of the older men, There's something else in the boat, sticking out from that shelter forward, something dark. A breath of wind, no more than a cat's paw, fluttered the ragged sail, and the boat heeled over slightly, listing towards the ship as though to exhibit its contents. Watkins said, this time unable to disguise his excitement, It is something! I believe it's a man's foot two feet! There's somebody under that awning. Alive or dead, there's somebody there. Rogerson spoke briefly to his chief officer, and Brett went quickly down the bridge ladder, shouting for the boatswain. The boatswain, a small man with a scarred cheek and the light step of a dancing master, was there almost at once. He also had seen the boat. There's a man, Brett said. Get ready to hoist him aboard as soon as we draw alongside. Is he alive, sir? How should I know? The mate spoke impatiently. Either way, we'll want to have him aboard so we can take a look at him. The boatswain turned away and started giving orders to the seamen. A Jacob's ladder was pushed over the bulwarks and unrolled itself down the side of the ship. It hung there with its lower end trailing in the sea. The Southern Queen, her propeller no longer turning, drifted towards the boat. Captain Rogerson had walked to the end of the bridge and was looking down at the smaller craft as the ship nudged gently against it. So gently, in fact, that only a slight grinding sound gave evidence of the pressure of steel on wood. The impact pushed the boat away, but it moved sluggishly, like a half-saturated log. Water swilled about inside it, lapping at the two human feet that projected from beneath the shelter of the awning. But the feet didn't move. A seaman had gone down the Jacob's ladder and was hanging on it just clear of the water. Mr. Brett shouted to him from the steamer's deck, Catch old man! Don't let it go! The seaman jumped for the boat and landed on a thwart, recovered his balance and caught the end of a rope thrown down to him from the ship. He made it fast to the stern, and the boat swung slowly round until it came to rest alongside the ship's hull. Stand by below there! Mr. Brett shouted. I'm coming down! He climbed over the bulwarks and went down the Jacob's ladder with the agility of a gymnast. A moment later, he was standing in the boat with the water over his ankles, staring at the patched and battered timbers. To him it seemed a wonder that such a wretched craft should have stayed afloat at all. It was even more amazing that it should have been found floating here in the lonely wastes of the greatest ocean in the world. Mr. Brett allowed his breath to escape in a low hiss. He stepped over a thwart, avoiding the ragged apology for a sail, and splashing through the stagnant water. No, Tiller, sir, the seaman remarked suddenly, as though an irresistible urge had come upon him to say something, no matter what. Mr. Brett stopped, with his long legs straddling the thwart. What's that? What did you say? The seaman pointed towards the stern. They lost the tiller. The mate glanced back over his shoulder and saw that it was so. The tiller had gone, but the rudder was there, swinging idly on the pintle. Not that it'd make much difference with this carcass, the seaman muttered. You wouldn't sail this nowhere.
except maybe to the bottom. He appeared nervous, as though he were thinking that at any moment the boat might indeed go on that last downward voyage, and he with it. It certainly had been in trouble, Brett said. On the port side a gap had been torn in the boards, and this gap had been mended, not without a certain skill. It was a rough repair, but effective. A boat builder might have done it better, but it was probable that whoever had carried out this work had done so without the facilities of a boatyard, making do with the tools and materials that came to hand. There were other holes, smaller ones, that had been plugged with timber and canvas, then daubed over with tar. A galvanized iron bowl that had perhaps served as a baler lay in the water, its wooden handle projecting above the surface. The gunwale on one side was scarred and blackened, as though it had been scorched by fire, and on one of the thwarts were some brown stains like paint.